the Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. Today, we're going to talk about wokeness, the newest term for acknowledgement and understanding of the changing narrative around systemic inequality and racism in our country. For some people, though, that term has become something of a slur, a reference to intolerance that some are comparing to things like political correctness. We're going to discuss this dynamic today with two writers and thinkers who have been focused on it for some time, and we want to hear from you. What do you think? about wokeness. That's next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Values and attitudes change based on the era, and often that intersects with identities like race, class, and gender. Today, for instance, more white people, specifically a majority of white Democrats, support reparations for black Americans. Specifically, white liberals and liberals in general believe structural racism is a deep threat to the country. Confederate statues are coming down. High-profile people are fired for saying racist or discriminatory things. And institutions are much more likely to be questioned for upholding white supremacy or for being anti-black. In other words, we've seen a shift in the culture. But some people including some black people, don't believe these things are necessarily good or genuine. Recently, Columbia University linguist John McWhorter released a book called Woke Racism, which critiques liberals for coddling and infantilizing black people, for only viewing us through the lens of victimhood, and for giving us passes when he says, maybe we should be criticized. He believes that the ideology of anti-racism has become a religious one, which needs no proof in order to attract converts and excoriate non-believers. We were scheduled to talk with McWhorter today on the program, but he had to cancel his appearance at the last minute. But his use of the word woke taps into a larger societal backlash against social justice movements and efforts to confront structural racism. It's a word that means something very different now than it did just a few years ago. We want to spend the hour today talking about that term, woke, and the much bigger societal struggle it represents. Later in the hour, we're going to hear from writer and author Damon Young, about his own history and attitudes toward woke culture and how it has been co-opted and, in some instances, weaponized. But first, I want to welcome someone to the program who has thought a lot about that phrase and how it became a pejorative. Joshua Adams is a journalist who wrote a piece for Color Lines in May titled, How Woke Became a Slur. 
Joshua Adams, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, how are you? Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So you write first about, quote, black English as a language in and of itself, citing a quote from James Baldwin. Before we get into that specific term, woke, talk a bit about the significance of language for us as black Americans more broadly. I'm not sure everybody quite understands how big a part that is uh, of black culture. Um, so, you know, black English, um, obviously when you think of the, you know, just the kind of social facts of history, um, black English, uh, at least the academic term is African-American vernacular English. Um, it's, there's a uh, regional variation. So for example, I'm from Chicago, um, uh, black people from Chicago talk with a little bit more of a slur. Um, you know, for example, you might hear somebody say serious instead of serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, in a place like, you know, New York, um, a black person might talk like, you know, yo, that was mad, you know, et cetera, so forth. So um, black English is not necessarily every, you know, uh, the same in every single place, but there are kind of um, certain through lines. Mm-hmm. Um, African-American uh, vernacular English comes out of the slave experience. Um, I think that people forget that um, because, you know, during the time of slavery, black people couldn't learn English uh, formally um, because there were laws against teaching us, you know, how to read and write. Mm -hmm. Um, We had to learn it through, you know, uh, the ear. And uh, through there, you got to combine these, you know, kind of, um, uh, you know, dialectic things from the uh, African languages that we would have been speaking before we came to the country. Um, We added that into the way uh, that we uh, speak English. also, you know, within the social context of slavery, um, we had to figure out how to talk to each other um, without the, uh, you know, the slave owners understanding what we were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, you know, just that you were uh, under constant uh, surveillance, you know, and within that surveillance was a threat, you know, of, um, you know, uh, punishment, death, being sold, you know, and such and so forth. And so... Um, a lot of parts of black speech are kind of, uh, you know, metaphorical. Um, and I would say that there's parts of black speech that are also kind of like, um, I guess the analogy would be like a, like a kind of inside thing. Like black people know about it. Like if we say it, we kind of understand what the, the black person is talking about, but people outside of the community or at least are not maybe privy to, you know, all the intricacies of, uh, African, you know, African American vernacular English might not know, um, and so speech, you know, is is important uh, for Black people, and is, is within the context of American history. Mm-hmm. There's a um, certain aspects of it, and and talk about how that language, that speech, relates to this moment and this word woke, uh, which has become uh, something of a source of tension, I guess, in in the broader culture. There, as I was saying in the open, a lot of people are using that term in a, a positive context, talking about the shift in narrative around uh, issues like systemic inequality and racism. But for a lot of other folks, it's something of a slur, this kind of reference to an intolerance of, uh, of the broader culture in America. Talk about how language again, uh, plays a role in, in this term itself. 
Um, so, I mean, initially, you know, woke is a term, um, you know, that comes out of the, you know, the black community. Um, it particularly meant that, you know, if you were saying, you know, stay woke or be woke, um, it was a, a combination of uh, seriousness and playfulness um, is essentially that you need to be aware of the, you know, the, the the conditions that you're in, the social conditions that you're in in order to, um, in America, to navigate it and survive it. Um, and so being woke could be anything from, you know, um, kind of understanding, uh, you know, systems of oppression, uh, systemic racism, where they arrive uh, so you can, you know, uh, you know, at, at least navigate it and survive it at most dismantle it. Um, when woke goes to the, you know, um, the, the, the digital sphere and people are using the term on, you know, Twitter or Facebook or such and so forth. Um, while it was, you know, partly playful before, you know, we get on social media, um, I think that social media also added like a more a playful aspect of it. So um, sometimes people would, uh, you know, within the black community would make fun and kind of poke fun at the performative aspect of woke. Um, and so, you know, um, there's different examples, you know, in pop culture. So in the movie Undercover Brother, you have Conspiracy Brothers. So he's always like, you know, saying something is a conspiracy by the white man. Um, there's like a scene in the movie where somebody tells him good morning. He's like, what, you know, what, like good morning, good mean, you know, it's the root of go odd and go odd means colorless. So when you say colorless, when you say good morning, you're telling me to have a morning without black people, you know? So <laughs> it's just a, it's there, there has been like aspects of, you know, woke that have just been a little bit more playful and black people, you know, we've always, you know, in the conditions that we're in, we've also, also tried to, you know, uh, maintain a sense of humor and not take ourselves, you know, too seriously. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, you can. Uh, I think you were trying to segue to the next question. Yeah. So so I, I really want to talk about this tension around that term and its power in the culture right now. The, the, the idea of being woke uh, and and how important that is to people who are making, I think, valiant efforts to get. Uh, the broader American culture to pay more attention uh, to systemic inequality and the, and the ways it plays out in 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 our lives and the backlash to that term the the idea that somehow this has become a weapon to first punish uh, people who are outside of uh, black culture but also to inoculate. African Americans from criticism for the things that uh, that we say and do. Uh, talk about how that tension arises and what role it's playing right now. Um. So, like, with you know, with all no, let me not say all, but you know, with language that takes on a kind of um, politicized nature, um, there is a kind of you know, uh, I don't mean I don't mean this to. Um, trivialize it, but there is a kind of like a telephone thing going on. You know, it, it starts at one place and then by the time it gets to the end, um, it's totally different. And yeah. so I think that, and then, um, you know, as I was kind of thinking about this, researching about this and the people I talked for the article, um, 
you know, political language, um, ironically, the first place it starts to get co-opted is not necessarily political, you know, adversaries. Um, it's more so, uh, you know, allies that might not necessarily be, you know, fluent in, you know, the political language that they're co-opting. And so um, the irony, even though it's become this kind of caricatured, um, very extreme um term that's used on you know by conservatives and the political right mm-hmm. um the first people who to start um you know co-opting the term are white progressives and what they kind of used it to mean while it still took on that you know hue of meaning you know uh, social awareness um it became to mean a certain type of um you know virtual signaling sure. um in the sense of like you know in order to show that you're woke you have to kind of you know, say the right things, use the right terminology. Um, you have to say, you know, Latinx instead of, you know, Latino. Um, you had to, you know, uh, ask people their pronouns or you, you had to, you know, pr- pronounce, excuse me, announce your pronouns and things like that. And so I think as it kind of moved down, you know, the political spectrum, um, just to be clear, I don't, I, I hope I'm not, um insinuating that all black people are progressive because that's that's not the case right (laughs) um but you know it it is also true that most black people either vote for democrats regardless of their political leanings um most black people vote for democrats or they don't vote at all um for the most part the republican party Mm -hmm. particularly the conservative i would even more so say the conservative movement broadly than specifically the Republican Party um, as a political vehicle. But um, most there's there's tension between the conservative movement and the political needs of the black community, especially when you think about um, just something as simple as, you know, whether or not people think uh, institutional or systemic racism is a thing. Mm-hmm. And for most black people, the idea that it isn't a thing um, is somewhat absurd. You know, the idea that, um, you know, black people, when we look at, you know, across American history, um, the social situations that we've been put in, while um, I don't know, I think I also think that people are because people are not like, you know, always in black communities, they think that we just don't talk about personal responsibility at all. <laughs> um, and <laughs> if you, you know, <laughs> if you ever been in a, a black barbershop or, you know, a black communal space, <laughs> that's damn near all we t- all we talk about. <laughs> um, but, you know, in, in the more, I guess, in the more, you know, academic spaces and, you know, organizing activism and things like that, um, people have like deep conversations about systemic oppression. And, you know, for most black people, they have like some, you know, some, uh, anecdote, some idea of it, um, some sense of it. And so the idea that it's not true, it's not existent. And just like the, you know, the situation that we find the black community in, at least the issues, not saying it's all issues, but the issues that the black community has, the idea that it's like just purely like a matter of, um, you know, just personal responsibility is kind of absurd to most black people. And so that causes tensions between most black people, even if they're actually, you know, pretty conservative Mm -hmm. with the conservative movement broadly. And so as the, you know, to kind of get back to woke, as the word, you know, kind of move down the political spectrum and move across the political spectrum, um, 
woke has become kind of a catch-all term uh, just to kind of mean that really anything that is like tied to what conservatives see as progressive virtual signaling that's kind of um, on one hand maybe, you know, empty and duplicitous in the Mm -hmm. sense of, you know, they're saying they want tolerance, but they're intolerable. Um, And on the other hand, as a kind of... um, uh, you know, social control. Um, and I think that, you know, um, when we think of the term, um, it kind of just shows you how, you know, it took, it has, you know, this specific origin. Um, but, but, you know, by the time, you know, it goes to, you know, people who are, have more conservative and reactionary um, sensibilities, it takes on this whole, you know, different, um, meaning and is 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 used in a in a very different way. Even even you know um, grammatically. So like I've seen you know conservatives on um, on uh, you know social media call people uh, woke as a noun. So like call people wokes. You know all oh, the wokes are always blah blah blah. And you know in African American vernacular English. That's like a that's such a weird way um, to use the word that you would just you would never hear you would never hear you know a black person call somebody or you know for most I guess let me say most black people you would never hear most black people use the term as a noun it would be like calling somebody a cool mm-hmm. like all oh, the cools they think they're you know the cools think they're cool like it just it it just sounds like um you know grammatically weird part of that <laughs> is because I think people don't understand that African vernacular English. Um, isn't English with mistakes. They actually have, there's a, um, you know, the syntactical rules um, that people follow, um, even something like the habitual B, like I be going, uh, you be, you know, such so forth. Um, there's actually, uh, it, it makes sense in the context of how uh, Black people learned English in the first place, um, considering that most Black people in the country live in predominantly black uh, neighborhoods and America is still very racially segregated. Black people have been able to, you know, maintain the speech patterns um, that they had, you know, one, you know, when they came here for, you know, for the most part, obviously the things have changed, but, um, and then also if you think about it, you know, black people have been speaking, you know, um, you know, African-American and vernacular English, uh, longer than we've been speaking, you know, more formal, you know, mainstream, you know, uh, enunciating your words using proper grammar type of English. So uh, for most black people, you kind of like switch between, you know, um, those two, depending on what your interlocutor, you know, where you, what background your interlocutor is coming from. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I want to talk just a little too about a debate about whether this is a word to reclaim or not to reclaim. Talk a little about what's going on there with that with that word as well as woke. Um, so I mean, I think that you know, as these um, and it and it, it, it doesn't always have to be kind of like um, you know, um, language that has like a you know a, 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 a little bit more directly political bent to it. So I remember like. And this was a few years ago, but people would say um, something was on fleek, 
And, mm-hmm. you know, basically no one really ever, you know, basically no one says that anymore. You know, <laughs> no. here and there you might hear somebody say it, but basically, you know. And so, you know, there are like certain words that might spring from the black community that once they hit the mainstream, we're kind of just like, OK, no, well, you can you guys can have it. And we'll, you know, <laughs> we'll move on to else. something else. Right? We'll move on to something else. Um, but I think we're woke. I mean, I, I um the, you know the 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 scholars I talk to, um, you know, one essentially was saying that you know there is nothing to reclaim um, because it's part you know of our language. Mm-hmm. Just because somebody has you know a different interpretation of it doesn't mean that you stop you know using it. Um, the other two, and I hope I'm not you know mischaracterizing what they said. I just I don't have the uh, you know I just got, can't just like read the article right now, but. Um, I, I believe they were saying that, you know, black ingenuity, you know, other words, other phrasing, other things are going to come up. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of all how, you know, black people had have had to operate, you know, in the context, you know, of our history in the country. Um, on my end, I, you know, I don't, I'm not even necessarily, um, you know, saying all these things to defend, you know, the term woke necessarily. Sure. For me, it's more so that like words have to be things um, and they should have like, you know, um, I guess you would say apolitical, uh, you know, definitions, but um, more so I just like they should have denotations and it shouldn't just be all, you know, connotation warfare. I think that Sometimes, you know, that's at least, you know, coming from my perspective, that's a, you know, critique I have of, you know, conservatism and political right. These terms can take on a meaning that's so like nebulous and fluid that they just kind of mean whatever you need them to mean at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't necessarily have a technical meaning that you could like, you know, if you, you know, like or the color orange has a certain, you know, meaning to it when you when you think of orange. Um, there's a certain color that pops in your head. Um, but the political language that we use tend to be, um, you know, terminology that are used as weapons, uh, that are, excuse me, that are attacks against, uh, you know, the left or, you know, progressives. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, people on the right, you know, conservatives are exhibiting, if, if the term had a, you know, more universal definition, um, you know, a denotation that you could po- actually point to, you know, as if it was in the dictionary. Um, the right is doing these things too. Right. Um, yeah. You know, the 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 right virtual signals all the time. The right is politically correct about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the right has certain you know um, um, forms of cancel culture. You can't say certain things on the right, or you guess you get canceled. I mean, if we're using just using those three terms: political correctness, virtual signaling, and cancel culture. You know, Colin Kaepernick got canceled for not, you know, virtual signaling the politically correct thing to do. Right. You see right. what I'm saying? And so um, if these terms are going to be used, I'm OK with them. I, I you know, I, I have a, I, I somewhat have a, you know, more of an issue with cancel culture than the other terms. I think that the other terms can, you know, explain the phenomenon that's happening in the, you know, the political sphere. But I think that those things are happening, you know, across the political spectrum. If something is politically correct, then something is correct based on your politics. 
people who are on the left aren't the only one who have politics. Therefore, if your politics on the right are a certain thing, then there's a certain thing that's going to be correct for it. You see what I'm saying? And so um, I just think that the way these terms are used, especially, you know, we're talking about woke, um, these terms are used in a, in a way that's um, so one-sided that they kind of don't, I mean, they have a specific meaning these terms just mean whatever whatever progressives are doing is blank. Is, is, whatever progressive doings is woke. Right. It's virtual signaling. It's you yeah. know, et cetera, so forth. And so I'm just more, you know, that that's kind of what I, yeah. you know, if I had to defend anything, and I'm not <laughs> even trying to defend these terms, right. or I'm not even trying to, you know, defend them or dismiss them. I'm just like, if a if a words need to mean things, right. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and they can't just be like political weapons of you know connotation warfare. Sure. So uh, Joshua Adams, it was really great to have you here to explain all of this in these uh, really wonderful linguistic and historical terms for our listeners. Thanks so much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thank you, and I really appreciate you having me on. This is a great conversation. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about the way we view woke culture. We're going to talk with Very Smart Brothers co-founder and author Damon Young, who wrote a piece in the New York Times titled In Defense of Woke back in 2019. We also want to get to your calls. Call and tell us what you think about the cultural changes that are taking place today. What do you specifically think? about how people are thinking about structural racism and inequality and this term woke. Is it a way of signaling that shift or is it a way to attack the broader American culture and to shield black people from criticism? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there and we'll work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET is your place for open dialogue. The music you love. Real news and in-depth analysis. And cultural experiences. The sound of Detroit. 1019 WDET is your public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We've been talking about the term woke and so-called woke culture. It's a term that conservatives have tried, at least recently, to weaponize against Democrats and progressives, and they've done so with some success. My next guest says the word woke has been co-opted and twisted by conservatives and by white Americans. In his 2019 New York Times op-ed, In Defense of Woke, Damon Young writes, quote, Woke floats in the linguistic purgatory of terms coined by us that can no longer be said unironically, levitating next to swag and twerk in the words ruined by white people. Damon Young joins me now to talk about the word and why he says someone has to stay awake. Damon Young, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hey, hey! Thank, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have um, you here. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at you reading that uh, that <laughs> quote because it's been a while since I wrote that and, and read it, and it's just 
<laughs> it's a great line. It was a good line. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a good I, I, I got to give myself a pound on back. It was a good line. That's right. <laughs> so uh, let's start here. If you could give your best shot at defining the word woke as it's most commonly understood in 2021, I guess, would you say that it has the original meaning that we as African-Americans assign to it, or has it been corrupted in, in, into something that's that's really different and nowhere near what the intent was? It depends on who uses it, um, because I think that for, for us, you know, interracially um, with black people, woke still has the same connotation where it describes a person who is not necessarily conscious, but takes consciousness a bit too far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. and, and, it's a, and it's a tongue-in-cheek, you know, way of just acknowledging that someone, you know, may be more likely to believe in conspiracy theory, maybe is, you know, presenting a more performative pro-blackness, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, this was a tongue-in-cheek encapsulation of a certain personality type. Whereas now, I guess in, in the larger culture, it, it stands to mean anyone who is aware, anyone who is SWJ, which is the term for social justice warrior, um, <laughs> and it's largely used on the right as a pejorative. Mm. You know, they say, you know, you go, go, you know, you go woke, you go broke. Um, you know, wokeness is is described as, okay, these people who are, you know, trying to take away your rights, mm-hmm. trying to take away your your freedoms. You know, even um, the mask mandates, um, something that is a public health issue, um, has been characterized as politicians being too woke. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, again, it is it is it is morphed into this, you know, nebulous, amorphous concept where anything that um, that goes against what conservatives or what people on the right you know, believe is considered woke or considered too woke. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there is, though, I think the there's a historical pattern here, I guess, that is uh, has been used to really undermine in very serious ways the efforts that we as African-Americans and other progressives have made to a bring attention to you know systems of inequality and and racism and to 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 move forward and so I want to compare just for a second the the word uh, or the phrase political correctness to the term woke it seems to me that there's there's a, a similarity across a, a, a several decades in fact at this point between the ways oh, that that they were both they're both being used to undermine the very serious uh, points that that need to be discussed in this country. Oh, definitely, and and ultimately, wokeness and just like political correctness before it um, are, are 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 terms that you know again are these large you know um, encapsulating terms, but they they ultimately describe people who are who you know, are trying to do good, <laughs> right? Who are cognizant <laughs> of, of privilege, who are cognizant of violence, who are cognizant of how language can commit violence and how, you know, all these systems of oppression combine and, 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 and you know, to, to oppress us and people who are fighting against that, 
right? People who are saying, hey, you know what? Maybe we should not use this term anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should not do this thing anymore because people are being hurt by it and we should do maybe something else. And, and again, that it, this isn't new. The only thing that's new is the word that is used to describe people who push against these systems of oppression, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, 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 you know, even the, the, the conversation and the controversy over critical race theory, that's not new. You know, that's not a new thing. It's just critical race theory is the new thing. But conservatives, you know, they're very good at messaging. They're very good at finding a word, finding a term, and making that term a boogeyman almost like a candy man sort of thing where you say it five times in the mirror and it pops out and gets you. <laughs> and, you know, and five years from now, it's going to be something else. Yeah, yeah. Once they get tired of woke, once woke loses its, its you know, its, its power or whatever, it's going to be something else. It's going to be another word. It's going to be another thing that they rail against. It's going to be another thing that they use to, to I guess, uh, to get themselves together and, and defeat, you know, whatever ghost that they're that they're up against this time sure sure i'm talking with uh, damon young he's co-founder of verysmartbrothers.com and author of the memoir what doesn't kill you makes you blacker uh we're talking about the term woke and the ways in which it's being used both by those who are trying to uh, assert a different consciousness here in America and, and influence the narrative around systemic inequality and racism in a way that uh, has us reconsidering lots of different parts of American culture uh, and those who are using that term as a slur, uh, talking about uh, the ways in which it's a signal of intolerance and perhaps a cover for uh, African-Americans to inoculate us from uh, criticism for the things that we might say or think. Uh, We want to hear from you as well. Uh, What do you think of that term, woke? What do you think about when you hear that term? Does it uh, hit you in a positive or in a negative way? Um, And what do you think about this idea of woke culture, uh, which is also being, I think, uh, compared or, or... blamed for cancel culture, uh, another term that uh, is is pretty popular these days. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. We've already got full phone lines. Uh, lots of people want to talk about this subject. Let's start with Trey in Detroit. Trey, what's on your mind? Good morning, Steve, and good morning, Damon. Um, the, the striking thing for those of us who are old enough is the, is the lack of creativity on the part of the conservatives, the people who want to go back to the old days. Uh, and the most salient example of that, of course, is uh, the one of uh, political correctness, which has already been used in this conversation a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm which they stole from the left. The left was saying, we've got to stop killing babies in Vietnam with napalm. And there were more conservative people saying, oh, we've got to be politically, you're, you're being politically correct when you demand that we not swear about the deaths of these innocent children. Hmm. Wow. You know, I don't think I quite knew that, that history, Trey. I'm glad you called and, uh, and shared that. Uh, Damon, that's a really interesting dimension of, again, language and history and the way these things 
kind of move in cycles. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware of, I guess, the the history of the creation, the genesis of political correctness either. Um, and and as the caller was saying, I mean, this isn't, you know, they're, they're not reinventing the wheel. This is not a very creative <laughs> movement, okay, where they just take a word and use it. And, but again, creative, not being creative um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's not effective. Because as we, as we see time and time again, they are extremely effective of distilling these, you know, these large nebulous concepts down to a single word and getting people to galvanize mm-hmm. over that single word or anything that, that they believe represents this single word. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that, and, and that's the part that, you know, that's the part that um, that does frustrate me because I'm I'm wondering why they are so effective at that that, um, and why can't we do the same thing like people who are you know on left or more mm-hmm. liberal or whatever more progressive find you know the same sort of messaging and have the same sort of effect on on us generally but maybe that that goes into more psychology of what makes someone more conservative. We're more susceptible to that sort of messaging. They're more susceptible. They're more likely to want to galvanize over a certain thing. But that's, I feel like that's another conversation. Yeah. Maybe that is this conversation. I, 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 I think it is in some ways. I mean, it's also about whether what you are, what you are trying to accomplish is something proactive, right? Uh, something that you're introducing into the culture and into the conversation that's not already there, which I think requires uh, some complexity and and some nuance. It's difficult to do that. Um, but if you're inside the culture and trying to push something out, um, you know, a, a, an easy tag or label, I think, is just a more effective tool. And so some in, in some ways, this is a reflection of the inherent imbalance in this country. I mean, white supremacy is the culture. It is inside the culture. Uh, what what woke people, quote unquote, are trying to uh, accomplish is a real shift away from that. And so I think there's always going to be an, a, a tougher road to, to try to do that. It's, it's harder to introduce an idea than it is to shoot one down. Yeah, and Stephen, you know, you you made the point is um, they don't really have new ideas. Like even like some of the, I guess, the newer conservative politicians, when you actually listen to, okay, what are your policies? What are your plans? They they don't have new stuff. Their their whole platform is to rel against the new stuff. Right. Right. And it's it, and you're right. It's, it's easier to rel against the stuff that that that's newer that's already existing. Um, instead of coming up with new ideas on your own, yeah. coming up with a new strategy, with a new plan. And again, they are just finding new ways to articulate, you know, their their antagonism. But they're not finding, you know, they're, they're just not discovering anything. Yeah, yeah no, I think that's, okay. I think and, that's really and again, true. That, and that's easier. And that's, and that's easier. It's easier to rail against something than it is to create something. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with uh, Damon Young about 
woke and wokeness. Uh, we're also going to continue to hear from you on the phones and on social media. Malcolm in Detroit, Tim in Detroit. We'll get to you next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. And my guest is Damon Young. He's co founder of VerySmartBrothers.com and author of the memoir, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker. We're talking about the term woke and the idea of wokeness, uh, the currency it has in positive terms in our culture, in terms of trying to shift the narrative about systemic inequality and racism and the backlash to that shift, uh, which has cast woke as a slur. Uh, We want to hear from you about how you're understanding that term when you hear it. Uh, Are you someone who's using that term in positive ways and talking about uh, things like systemic inequality and racism differently? Uh, Or are you someone who thinks that uh, wokeness is kind of silly Uh, or intolerant of the majority culture. Uh, As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. I also uh, can get you into the conversation here if you go to Facebook or to Twitter uh, and put put comments there. Um, I wanted to read a couple social media comments before we get back to the conversation here. Big Neo says, woke became a bad word when folks on the right like Ben Shapiro changed the definition of what it means. This is another instance where folks on each side don't share the same definitions for words and phrases that needs to stop so we can move forward in a positive direction. Steven on Twitter says, interestingly, in 1860, there were pro-Lincoln and Republican organizations called wide awake clubs that held rallies and parades in a few areas. Some of them were almost entirely German immigrants who fled the 1848 Revolutionary Defeats. That's a really interesting historical point. Uh, Michael on Twitter says, is being woke seen as pejorative mainly by the right or has this bled into a negative connotation for the left? If the latter, why? Uh, I, I want to come back to you on that point, Damon, and and interject uh, John McWhorter's new book into, into the conversation. He was Planning to join us today, it turned out that he he, he couldn't. I was actually looking forward to that conversation because I really want to hear uh, what he had to say. But essentially, he's saying that woke has become uh, a weapon, uh, a, a way of uh, lashing out at, uh, at white people and white culture and a way of falsely shielding us, African-Americans, from criticism of our thoughts or our ideas. What's what's your sense of an African-American man like John McWhorter uh, entering the conversation on that side and in that way? Um, I, I disagree with that. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I, I... For starters. I mean, and, and, you know, just to, I guess, respond to the last question that you brought up about woke, 
becoming uh, a bit of a pejorative for people on the for uh, for people who are progressive. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. it always it always had been, and 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 that, and that's that's like the term was used to describe. Again, it was interracially used to describe someone who was obnoxious, right? Maybe a little insufferable, <laughs> right? Now th- these were these weren't people who were necessarily bad people, but it was okay. Yeah, he, he's woke. Like he, he's he, he's so woke that he sleeps. He has his third eye open. Like it was it was this tongue in cheek, joking way of describing someone who was so conscious, so militant that it became like their whole identity, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And and also there were some performative aspects to it. So so again the the pejorative. Now I wouldn't necessarily call that a pejorative or insult, but it was definitely like if someone if you heard that someone was woke, then that made you kind of roll their, roll your eyes. I them, like, oh, okay, here comes this person again, <laughs> right? right. Um, and so just getting back to what McWhorter said about, you know, I guess us using it as a way to shield ourselves from, from criticism, I don't, I would have to read more because I don't even know where that, I, I don't even know how to respond to that. Like, I, I have to actually see his, I don't know, his argument because that, the connection, it, I, I'm not connecting with it right now. I don't even know where to respond, how to respond, because it doesn't make sense. I think I think he's referring really to, to, to cancel culture here, right? The idea that uh, somebody who who says something that is counter to the quote-unquote no, woke narrative uh, or political correctness or whatever you want to call it can lose their job, can lose their fame can be punished very easily uh, even if they didn't do it intentionally uh, because of the power I guess that he's ascribing to what what he would call the woke mob um, and we do see cancel culture and we do see people people we do see that happening to people I think the the way you interpret it is is uh, is important right what's what's actually happening but but I, I'm pretty sure that that's what he's referring to there i mean historically and presently you know the people who are most likely to be canceled are progressives yes i mean we, we see this you know right now literally happening right now in school boards and and school districts around the country are books that you know are fine books that are rigorous books that are being thrown out of curriculums you know, people, you know, who are having um, visits and talks and, and panels, um, you know, uh, canceled because, you know, it's, it's, it's critical race theory or whatever. Um, you know, we could go back, you know, where people who were more, more progressive, you know, were uh, had you know, fines or whatever from the SEC and, you know, also had, you know, these these organizations that were galvanizing to prevent them from publishing their books or, or being on TV or being on the radio or, or speaking publicly. So again, this is, I, I'm just not going to allow McWhorter or anyone else to, to say, to, to, to articulate that this is a thing that's exclusively progressives being mean to people who don't agree <laughs> with what we are saying and what we believe, because again, historically, we are the ones who have been canceled the most frequently. Yeah. Right. Um, and even, you know, this, this hand wringing about celebrities, 
you know, perhaps saying a wrong thing and, and, and people on Twitter, this Twitter mob coming for them, who has actually been canceled? Right. Like, you know, I, I think in, 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 that, in that woke piece, I talked about Bill Maher and Bill Maher, this is his thing. This is his, he, he's like Don Quixote and this is like his, his windmill, mm-hmm. you know, talking about, you know, uh, wokeness and how wokeness <laughs> is pervasive and invading every, you know, every aspect of society. And, and you can't say this anymore. You can't say that anymore. And it's like, dude, you are getting paid millions of dollars a year to say this on HBO. Right. <laughs> okay. right. How are you? It's how like, are you under threat? Right. Are, yeah, I mean, you and your other comedians are still getting, you know, these superstar comedians are still getting paid millions of dollars to to perform and to be on stages to say what what they say you're not allowed to say. And it's like, don't you recognize the the paradox here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 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 again, we talk about Chappelle, also where sure. he's you know this act and, and railing against, you know, all these people trying to cancel him and these things he's not allowed to say. And it's like, you, you just signed a, what, a $70 million contract with Netflix. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like I, like, I would love to be canceled too. I, I, I want to be that kind of victim. Mean, I, I want to be canceled. <laughs> I want an HBO show where I could talk about not being allowed to say the things that I'm actually literally saying. Yeah, and, I mean, and really, I want to get paid, you know, ten million dollars a year to do it. It's a really, I mean, that's a really interesting way to think to think about all of that. Uh, I want to go back to the phones quickly here before we have to end the show. David in Detroit. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve, how you doing? Hey, good. How are you? I'm good. Um, I just want to say this as a as a I'm a Latino mm-hmm. male, a bit of a conservative. Wokeism is not been good for the country, and uh, to um, contrast that guy's point. There have been people that have been canceled over small things that have happened years ago. Um, and there are things you can't do anymore. Like, for example, I don't think you can make Blazing Saddles today. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't and know. then, you know, I mean, as a Latino, there's this whole Latin X movement, which to me, I, I feel like it's anti Latina because, and it's anti Latino because it's attacking our culture and our language. With it's it's mostly Ameri- uh, so, college, uh, Americans in college pushing this Latinx yeah. thing. This is ridiculous to me. So, so David, I, I, I appreciate the call and the, and the perspective. Obviously, I want to give Damon and Young a chance to respond. We only got about a minute left, but uh, but I think this is again uh, somebody inside a culture that is trying to push against the majority culture, saying, "Hey, hold on a second here." Yeah, I, I, I just, I just completely categorically disagree with the notion that wokeness is harmful for America. I mean, I, I think, you know, wokeness comes out of people being progressive, people uh, being empathetic, people being conscientious and, and recognizing that, you know what, yeah, this thing that we used to do, this, this act that we used to commit, you know, uh, was harmful for people. And maybe we should consider something different. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should do something different. Maybe we shouldn't say this thing anymore. And, and again, I, I challenge, you know, people like the, the man who's just on a call to get, I, I want to hear some examples of people who were fired today for some small thing they said 25 years ago. Cause I keep hearing references to, to, to this, <laughs> and there but aren't very again, many I, but, but I don't necessarily hear any, actual concrete examples of this happening. Yeah. 
And so if you could find me, you know, a hundred, five hundred examples there, of this happening, right? then I'll take, I'll, 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 you know, I'll stand back. I'll change my argument. But again, <laughs> I, I, I think that they're angry or, or focused on the boogeyman that, that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Damon Young, always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Really great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. That's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we're going to talk with Michigan's new top doctor about COVID and the new direction for the pandemic. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.